Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to help support the ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Help me welcome our internet family. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, let me fill you in on a little family news real quick. First of all, Alicia and I, we have five children, uh, ages 30 down to 16. Uh, our oldest is Lee, and he's married to Katie, and they have two, two of my only grandbabies, um, Gavin and Cora, and they're six and three. And then I have a, a daughter, Elise, uh, and, her, and her husband, Chris, live in Nashville. She's a writer. And then my middle son, Joshua, he also lives in Nashville. He's a videographer. And then I have a daughter, Greta, who is uh, 20, and she's, she'll be a junior at Southeastern University, about to go back to school there. And then I have a 16-year-old who will be a junior in high school here at our academy uh, here in a week or so when that starts up. And just wanted to bring you up to speed so you know them all. And then uh, yesterday, my daughter Greta, the 20-year-old, my daughter Greta got engaged to be married yesterday. So we're thankful on that. And uh, his name is John Green. And uh, there they are. They're actually in Boston. She went up and they visited with his family. And that's in a park in Boston. And she said yes. And, and we're glad. He's a wonderful young man. And uh, she doesn't even have to change her initials. She'll go from Gilligan to Green. So... Oh, good stewardship on the monogram there, you know, so, so anyway, but we're just thrilled about that. We, we smiled all day. We cried part of the day, you know, and she FaceTimed with us yesterday about noontime right after it happened. And so, uh, just thrilled. And, uh, we have prayed ever since we knew we were having a child, we've always prayed for their spouse as well. And, uh, we're three for three now y'all and, uh, happy with all three. And so, uh, God's good. God's good. All right, well, we're going to pick up again in traps and tricks. Everybody say traps and tricks. First of all, you must know this. God is almighty, okay? He's almighty. Did y'all hear me? Almighty. No one greater than him. But we do have an enemy of our soul. And the enemy of our soul, he can't just overwhelm us. He can't just overtake us. It does involve some cooperation on our part. And he has learned that if he will lay traps and play tricks, um, that's how he can kind of set us up and, and uh, work evil and work against us in our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 11, it says, Lest Satan, and that's our enemy, should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices, of his schemes, of his traps and his tricks. So what it's saying is he cannot take advantage of us unless we are ignorant of how he's going to go about doing that. So that's part of the purpose of this series, and all series for that matter, is that we would be aware of what he would try, that we would learn how to avoid what he would try, and that we can make adjustments in our life if we're headed in the wrong direction. We can make those adjustments so that we don't fall prey to the traps and tricks of the enemy. Amen? You know he's not just out to ruin your morning. He's out to ruin your life, your relationships, everything connected to you. He's out to ruin those things. And we are overcomers through Jesus Christ. But that doesn't happen just because you have a Jesus bumper sticker on your car. 
You have to be aware. You have to walk in wisdom. You have to stay in the light. And uh, we're, we're learning more and more what we need to do with this. Well, in the, in the past few weeks, we've talked about traps and tricks regarded to proximity or nearness. If you stay away from it, it can't get you. Uh, busyness. We've talked about busyness. And then last week, we talked about self-worth. And today, I want to talk to you about companions, companions, and the traps and tricks that can be uh, associated with companions, those that you associate with, those that are you're very close with. And you would say, well, that's my husband, <laughs> or that's my wife. Uh, no, that's a whole nother series for another time, okay? <laughs> you chose them, you said yes, whatever, and... And God will help you. God will help you and meet you where you are. And again, that's a series for another time. You will pick up some things out of uh, this teaching this morning that will help us as well. We do life with other people. If you don't do life with other people, you're weird. Okay? And law enforcement is probably watching you. Okay? All right? But we do life with other people. We live with other people. We work, worship, play, eat, wait, vote. We do all these things with other people. And these interactions and connections with others are important, and they're also very impacting. And then the influence factor that comes from the connections that we have around us, never underestimate. Uh, in, in some cases, you could actually even call it peer pressure. And it's, it's interactions that we have and the influence that comes from that. You know, somebody can tell you, I love purple. I just love purple. And next thing you know, you find yourself liking purple. Or, or, the, or someone will say to you, you're not going to wear that, are you? And you, you felt good about it until they said that, right? <laughs> and then you never wear it again. Or they say, that restaurant's great or that movie's no good. And, and the influence of, of others in so many ways. And so again, the impact and the potential influence of our companions and close associates, we have to look at this very, very carefully. Um, one of the areas for trouble could be wrong connections, wrong connections. And then equally damaging and dangerous could be no connections and that you isolate yourself. Now, when we're talking about companions and talking about friends, please know that I'm trying to take this beyond Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter. Well, I've got 311 friends. Yeah, but you don't even know your neighbors. And then you get all upset because she unfriended me. You know, how many of you know that's not real? Okay. So this is real life that we're interacting with people in our lives. Wrong connections, also no connections. Each of those have their own traps with them. Pepper Rogers was head coach of um, UCLA football in the early 70s. And in 1971, they had a particularly horrible season. And he was really stressed out and troubled by the, the bad season they were having. And he was, he was also upset because he didn't feel like he was getting any encouragement from his wife. So he said to her, my dog is my best friend. And I told my wife that a man needs at least two friends... And she told me to go buy another dog. <laughs> now, connections, social connections, they affect even our physical health. And then also virtually every emotional or psychological problem from addiction to depression and beyond have 
alienation or emotional isolation, or don't miss this, or unhealthy connections at the core. So virtually any problem that we're having, emotions, uh, psychologically, mentally, physically, virtually any problem that we have, and we're going to see as we go along, even this impacts our spiritual well-being, has at its core not just alienation, that's a possible one, emotional isolation, people get real guarded about their emotions for different reasons, and then this one, unhealthy connections. And when that happens, uh, you know, there's a breakdown that happens in us in a lot of different ways. So we have to recover. We have to grow and we have to recover. I have found out that really ministry is largely about people prepare and people repair. And so what, we have to do all of that every time that we're together in every setting, every room, every auditorium that we have. Everything that we're about is about people prepare and people repair. And we're finding more and more in the days that we're living, it requires more and more repair. And so for growth and recovery to take place in a person, so prepare or repair, what we have to do is to help people to, to connect at a, at a deeper and healthier level than they currently are. So part of our answer, God said it is not good that man be alone. He made us to be in community. He made us to be in family. He uses the metaphor of the flock of sheep. He uses another metaphor of the body and we're all parts of the body. And so no one is to be alone in this. But what we realize is if we are connected wrong, have no connections or we have unhealthy connections, it's gonna affect us in a lot of different ways. So we have to for progress, for recovery, for growth. We have to help people. We have to help ourselves. We have to help one another to connect deeper and to connect in healthier ways than we currently are. Can we get an amen on that today? It is said that friendship doubles joys and cuts griefs in half. This is one of the reasons that we have growth track. It's one of the reasons that we have groups. It's one of the reasons we have a cafe. It's one of the reasons we have Celebrate Recovery and care classes, that we have services, that we have generational meetings just all over so that we're next gen and in here and every other way. Everything that we're doing is to help you. Part of it is to help you to connect with some other people in in a healthy way and in the body of Christ. Um, That's why we do so much of what we do is so that we can have healthy connections. Everybody say healthy connections. I like this little quote here. It says, uh, treat your friends like your family and treat your family like friends. Think about it just for a moment. Treat your friends like family and treat your family like friends. Some of y'all need to be more friendly with your family. A good friend of mine has a sign inside his door and it's meant in jest mostly, but it says, friends are always welcome, family by appointment only. We have those for sale in that. No, no, we don't. (laughs) Proverbs 22, it says, make no, here it is, friendship. Everybody say it, friendship. Friendship. Make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man. Do not go. Watch this. Lest you learn his ways. Whose ways? Angry man, furious man. Lest you learn their ways and set a snare. There it is, a trap. For your soul. This is a double trick here that you end up setting the trap on yourself. 
And part of it has to do with who you hang out with. If we could go back to verse 24 real quick. Verse 24, there we go. Make no friendship. This word in the Old Testament Hebrew has the idea of those that you would associate with. And it also carries this in its meaning. Those that you graze with. Could I get a good moo out of you this morning? <laughs> all right, all right. So it's those that you graze with. Think about that. You, we see that all the time down here. Sometimes people come down from up north and they pull over by a cow pasture or a horse paddock to take pictures because they're saying, what are these animals? You know? <laughs> but we, we, see, we see this all the time. And some hang close together. I, I've actually heard that cows actually have a best friend, that they'll have one that they kind of hang out with. But we all graze together in the great pasture of life, all of us, all of us, all the people that you work with, live with, play with, uh, you know, work out with, shop with, whatever, uh, we're all in this great big pasture of life. And so with that in mind, we're to be careful who we graze with and how close that we graze with them. It's said that there are four types of people, adders, subtractors, multipliers, and dividers. I think you could reduce that further down, and there are two types of people, two kinds of people, those who brighten the room when they enter and those who brighten the room when they leave. <laughs> Ain't it true? Now, in this passage, it says, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man do not go. That anger there is referring to a wrong passion and the wrong passion of anger. And then furious, that fury has to do with not just a wrong passion and not just feeling something. That anger is something that you feel. Fury or to be furious is, is it takes it beyond just feeling and sometimes it leads to action. And the scripture says that we need to be careful around this, that we don't learn their ways. You don't make friendship with people with wrong passions. And, and, and we'll, we'll fill this out in just a moment. You don't make friendship. You don't graze closely with those that have these wrong passions, either what they feel or what they're feeling and acting on. Or you will learn their ways. You'll become like them. Has it happened to you? Yeah, and then you set a snare for your own soul. And so it's real important how we, how we look at this, lest you learn their ways. Now, it can, it can relate to any wrong passion, specifically here, anger though. You can learn their ways. And so what you have to do is you have to monitor the people around you and make sure that you don't learn their ways if they're wrong, if they're wrong ways. Uh, Recently, we just finished up summer basketball league for our academy and with numerous other schools. And recently, I was at one of their games, and the fans for the other team were horrible. They were horrible. Are y'all hearing me? Yes. And if you were part of those fans, I'm still saying it. You are horrible <laughs> because it's just a basketball game. Amen. It's summer. They're not even wearing real uniforms, you know. <laughs> The trophy is probably $11. And some people get so worked up about things. And there was just this anger in these words and so forth. And, what, it, you know, and it was just bugging me. And I found out later that some of, our, some of our parents and fans sitting near 
especially one or two individuals that were just so mouthy and so caustic, and it was just hateful and angry, that some of ours just quietly just got up and just kind of moved. That's a good thing to do. It's like, I'm going to move over here. And I'm sitting down on the front row, and it's kept going on. I kept turning around, looking back. And my wife's patting my leg. Come on, honey, come on. Just keep your cool. You're the pastor. I said, no, I'm not. It's Thursday night. But we have to be, we have to be careful because sometimes when you're around others, I mean, you know, some people make you mad. Some people are mad about everything, and when you're with them, you get troubled about it too. Or negative people. I love being around positive people and, and happy people. I love being around most of y'all. <laughs> now look with me, if you will, in Ephesians chapter 4. And again, that proverb was relating to wrong passion, specifically anger. So let's look at anger just for a moment here. Be angry. We all get angry. And do not sin. Don't let it, don't let it continue. Don't let it go to sin. And do not let the sun go down on your wrath, which is, which is saying this. You can get angry, but don't stay angry. Amen. Some of y'all went to bed angry last night. <laughs> and you wake up literally like with an emotional hangover and more distance between you and, and your spouse. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place. Everybody say give place. Give place, give place to the devil. Now that's the one that's laying traps and playing tricks. And you don't want to give place. You don't want to surrender or sign over territory and ground to the enemy of your soul. But listen, when you get angry and you stay angry, you do that. When you get angry, I hope you're hearing me. When you get angry and you stay angry, you actually sign over, you deed over some property, some ground for the devil, the enemy of your soul, to gain footing and to set up shop so that he could work against you. So I know that we feel, well, I'm not done being angry yet. Well, you need to get over it. And it's largely a flesh thing and largely an emotional thing. And we've got to be bigger and better than that. And part of it is being aware of what is going on. And that if I stay angry, if I stay angry, I'm giving more and more room for the enemy to set up shop and to lay more traps and play more tricks. On me. If you heard me on that, say amen this morning. So the issue in this proverb is who you graze with, who you associate with so that you don't learn their ways, so that you don't become like them because we're all in the pasture together. So here's what it has to do with proximity and the influence. When you're closer to some, you have influence. So here are the questions. Who is influencing who? You know, as you are trying to monitor this influence margin, this gap, mind the gap between you and the people you associate with at work, at the gym, or, you know, whatever the setting would be, you want, you want to see, see who is influencing who. And if they're influencing you for bad, then you need to move over just a little bit, okay? If, if they're influencing for you for good, then you need to draw closer to them. If you are influencing them, if you are, if, if you are more the influencer and you're influencing them for good, God will use you in those ways. And so, you know, draw close to them in that way. And then you have to ask, what is the chemistry when I'm with this person? You know, some people you can get around and like I said earlier, they're negative all the time and you find yourself being negative all the time. 
Or how many of you had a best friend growing up and you always got in trouble with them? I did. My best friend from like junior high and, and throughout high school, we, we just got in trouble sometimes. You know, and, and I didn't get in that kind of trouble with other people. I just got in that kind of trouble with him. And then finally, about midway through 10th grade, my parents and his parents and our teachers decided that we needed to not hang out together. And even though we had classes together, everybody was in the know, and we weren't allowed to sit by each other. We weren't allowed to hang out with each other because when we, when we did, the chemistry of it was somehow we got in trouble. Are you all with me? And I'm not talking about robbing banks or anything, but that may have happened later. I don't know, but... But they intervened and, and created some space for us. And then during that period of time, lessons were learned. We grew up a little bit more, and we knew that the people around us meant business. And, you know, and then we were able to finish out school and, and end up being great friends. And he today is, is a kidney specialist. He's a doctor up in, in Chattanooga, and I'm a pastor, and he loves God. He's a, he's a full-blown Christian, and I'm just thankful for what God did in both of our lives where sometimes chemistry can, can not work out good. And you're looking at me, you're looking at, at me, I know that all of us have people that influence us in certain ways. It's a chemistry issue that we've got to look out for. So constantly monitor and adjust that influence margin. Mind that gap and pay attention to that. Look with me in uh, Proverbs 13. Now, as we read this, I want you to keep in mind it contains both a promise and a warning, a promise and a warning. Watch this. He who walks with the wise, with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And it didn't even say you were a fool. It just said you were a companion. You're grazing real close with some fools. And when their life falls apart, the same happens for you. Look at it in the message paraphrase. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. You become like who you hang out with. You become like who you hang out with. I'm just letting it soak. You become like who you hang out with. It is said that the next best thing to being wise yourself is to live in a circle of those that are wise. I read this story about this old farmer, and he entered his mule into the Kentucky Derby. People were just amazed, shaking their head, and one guy went and asked him about it, and he replied. He said, I don't think he has much of a chance to win, but the associations will do him good. (laughs) And we might be the mule, okay? But if we'll hang out with some winners, with some thoroughbreds, it, it it will bring us up. You become like who you hang out with. Solomon, King Solomon, the Bible called him the wisest man that had lived. He, against counsel, against warning, took pagan wives to himself, and he ended up worshiping and serving pagan gods. And it's because you become like who you hang out with. If you graze too close, uh, we've got to make sure that we're aware of this. And it is, and I want you to pay close attention to this. This is about separation, not isolation. So think about it. In the pasture of life, in your pasture of life, you have all kinds of folks. Nod your head if you're with me. You've got people who believe 
pretty close to you, just like you have some people who would mock you for what you believe. You've got, you've got all kinds of people that you graze with. And here's what we're called to do. We're just called to monitor how close we get to other people. But it is about separation, not isolation. I don't like it when, and I don't think it's right when Christians just isolate themselves and get in the holy huddle and exclude everybody else. And we grow our own food and we make our own clothes and we make our own Play-Doh and we don't talk to anybody. You know, and, and we're in the world to be salt and to be light and to be sugar. And we're in the world to love other people. Now follow this about love, okay? Listen, listen to this. Love always tries to close the distance. It always tries to close the distance. If you're away from your loved one, what do you do? You call them, you text them, you, you, you know, what, you're longing to be closer to them. And that's the nature of love. That's why Jesus came because of love. He had to close the distance. And so what we're trying to do is monitor the distance around the people, uh, the people around us. But at the same time, we're trying to close that distance We want to love them as close as we can, as close as is healthy. All people around us should know that we love them. I don't think you heard me. All people around us should know that we love them. And we could get as close as is safe, as close as, as is right and is healthy, get close to them. And they should see that we're a person not judging them, a person that's not against them. We're a person who loves them. And then we monitor how close, how far that we need to be in that. Are you still here? All of this points to the incredible importance of of the body of Christ, the family of God, people growing together, people being connected together, supporting each other, caring for one another, rejoicing with one another, weeping with one another, praying for one another, loving one another, accepting one another, a place where there's safety and encouragement. All of it points to that. You must have that as a part of your life. In Hebrews 13, 1, it says this, let brotherly love continue. This word actually means let it be present and let it endure. Let it remain. And brotherly love should be here. And brotherly love, I'm telling you what, when we are, when we are grazing with other people under the cover of brotherly love, it helps you to grow and it helps you to be healthy in so many different ways. I've found that people that feel disconnected from God are usually not well connected to the body. Do you hear me? Those that are, find themselves kind of disconnected from God are usually not well connected to the body. And, and we've got to make sure that we're connected to the body. And the more that we're in the body, look, look at this verse with me here in um, Colossians chapter 2. They have lost connection with the head, feel disconnected from God, from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows and God causes it to grow. And so what we need to grow and to be healthy and to recover is found by being a part of the body. And as, as we do so, then we're connected to the head. And can I, can I just veer off my message just for a moment? If you're a church hopper, cut it out. I, I just wanted to save time and get right to the point there, okay? Get planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall thrive. 
And if, it's, if this is your place, and I hope it is, and I, and I welcome you, then get planted, get plugged in, and get close with, with the body. Get close with the body and the life that's, that's going on here. Some people are just glory bugs. I'm going over to this place and this revival, and I heard this, and, that, and they're going everywhere. And, and you know what? It just brings instability into your life. Get rooted. Get planted. Our very logo is about that, that you would become like a tree planted by rivers of living water. you got to get planted so that you can bear fruit, not just be a tumbleweed going all over everywhere checking everything out. And I just think it's unhealthy. I just think it's unhealthy. And it's not just my opinion. It's observation from over three decades of ministry. It's important that you get yourself planted. I hope that you'll do that and you'll get planted here and we continue to grow together. Amen? Amen. All right. One last thing. Get connected. Have godly companions. And you're much less vulnerable to the traps and tricks of the enemy. Because then you're not so isolated from the herd. And by that, I mean this. First Peter tells us that the enemy, he goes about like a roaring lion. He's prowling around. Follow this. He's prowling around looking for lunch. And I've watched enough TV on the Discovery Channel and American uh, uh, National Geographic where when the lion is, is looking for lunch and it's a herd or a flock, he knows, everyone knows he can't eat them all, at least not today. And so what he has to do when he makes that charge toward there, he's, he's trying to, to get one to lag behind, the injured one, the one straggling behind, the one off pouting. There's lunch right there. Because he can't eat us all. And so what I would say to you, because of the importance of this, monitor your relationships with other people. But make sure, and don't miss this, make your way to the middle. Make your way to the middle. With the metaphor of Scripture of the flock, make your way to the middle. Don't be on the fringe. Don't be way out on the the edges. Make your way to the middle where you're closest to the good shepherd too. And then you're in the middle of, of the flock. That's the safe place to be. It's the safe place to be. And you are least vulnerable then to those kind of attacks from the enemy of our soul. Amen? And as we do that, another way that we can overcome the traps and the tricks of the enemy. Did y'all get anything at all out of this this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.